You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. What are you waiting for? Does anyone have a picture in their mind of what a really, um, of what a godly person might be like? What would a godly person do, do you think? Do you reckon there'd be some things about their day that would always be the same? We might have a a bit of a picture in our heads. Who's ever heard of a quiet time? Yeah, a few people nod. Yeah, yeah, we've heard of quiet time. What's the idea of a quiet time, someone tell me? Spending time with God. Is that a good thing? Is it worth doing every day? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so is regularity a good thing? Regularity is. It's kind of okay. Um, now, here's, here's another idea of regularity. Um, if I do it like clockwork, is the clockwork sort of thing... Uh, important. If I go to the club every week and I put in my dollar every day into a poker machine, how long do you think it will take me to win a million dollars? Should I do it every day for a million years if I'm guaranteed of getting a million dollars? That's only one dollar a year, isn't it? <laughs> That's a long time to make a million. Um, but, but what are you waiting for? I've got a picture of, of what some, might, some people might say is a person who's really regular about something. And this is a, when I'm a kid, I'm growing up, and I can see a person shuffling along this little, well, not a little, uh, she's little, but the footpath's big, near my place. Every day she would be out there shuffling along the footpath. She'd be dressed in black from head to toe. Everything about her was covered in black. And she was going to a church not far from our place. Now, some of you younger ones have a guess. Anyone know, have any idea of what that might mean for a person? I'm guessing someone, an older person here might have an idea. Yeah, Alison, what do you think that person might have been doing? She's probably going to pray at the church. And that's what I have in my mind. Now, there's something that tells me that, um, you know, she's a little bit out of the ordinary compared to other people who might have been going to the same church. What was it? how How was she dressed? In black, from head to toe. So what might that tell us a little bit about her? She might be a what? She could be a widow. Her husband might have died. And so important to her... Is, is going to church. Now, I'm thinking to pray. I'm thinking she's probably done this for probably a long time because I remember seeing her for years doing it. You know, as long as I remembered, she was going and doing it until the day that she no longer did, and I'm guessing she probably died. Um, that's a routine. I want to talk a little bit about a lady who had a similar routine and, and, a, and a guy as well. And these... These are people you may or may not have heard of. I'm thinking maybe some older people have. But I'm just going to read a little bit from uh, the book of Luke. This is uh, chapter 2, beginning 25. And, and I might read all the verses or I might leave some out, but just so you get the idea. Okay, we're going to start with a man in Jerusalem. This is verse 25 of Luke 2. There's a guy there called Simeon. And it says, he was righteous and devout. Devout means he took God or religion, very seriously. And he was waiting, it says in the text here, it's an unusual word for the consolation of Israel, which meant that actually Israel was a bit sad. 
for all sorts of reasons. They thought God wasn't looking after them sometimes. Other times they said, oh, look, we're a really bad bunch of people. When's God going to send this special person to sort everything out? But it says this, Simeon, the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him that he wasn't going to die before he'd seen this special person that God was sending, this person called the Messiah. And he would go into the temple. What's a temple? It's a bit like a big church building, isn't it? There's, there's remains of one in Jerusalem still. So anyway, he was waiting for this special person. The same time he'd be going to the temple, there was this really old lady called Anna. And she would go into the temple day and night. And it says here in Luke that she would go in there and worship day and night, fasting, not eating, and praying. Now, I'm saying she didn't, you know, stop eating day and night because if you do that, what happens? You, you die. So she wasn't fasting 100% of the time. But every day, every night, you could find her in the temple. And she'd be fasting and praying. You know how old this lady was? 84. Now, I don't know what colour clothes she was wearing, but she could have been wearing black for all we know. And if she'd come from the same country, maybe as this other lady I mentioned, she would be because she was a widow. And back then, I guess people often might have married in their teens, maybe even. She'd been married once. She'd been married seven years. Do you know what happened after seven years? Her husband died. And so there she was, day and night, going into the temple. What does it tell you? If she's been going into the temple day and night, from the time she was a widow, do you think she had family? I'm thinking you probably can't leave a family uh, day and night if you've got children. I'm just going to read that into it, okay? But Simeon and Anna were these people who were going into the temple and they were both waiting for something. Now, we've got plenty of Christmas Sundays coming, haven't we? So I don't want to tell you the whole Christmas story. Of course, I do want to talk about the person who's at the middle of the Christmas story, but I don't want you to give you too much detail. So I'll just tell you perhaps a little bit about how we might see these people. The fact that they went in every day to the temple and that they were waiting for something, said that they were, pretty, they were pretty hopeful about something. Pretty hopeful about something. Simeon had been told, the Holy Spirit was on him, Simeon had been told that he wouldn't die before this special person came. Who's the special person we're talking about? That's, that's Jesus, of course. This is Christmas time, so we know just by the fact I'm mentioning these people that maybe he's not far away. But to go in day and night, to fast and pray, when you're 84, that's, that's a long-term commitment, isn't it? Now, I think the Bible actually likes people who have that sort of trust and confidence in something they haven't even seen. All they have before them, these, these, these couple of people, are years and years of stories, years and years of hoping to see things that prophets had written down hundreds of years ago. In this case, for these two people, this promised one was written about by Isaiah, Isaiah how long ago? 800 years, the events that are about to happen around that first Christmas. 
800 years. Who gets sick of waiting? You, you wait, think of all those generations of people. They grew up and they died without seeing what God had promised. Now, in the book of Hebrews, actually, we find out the people who waited and did things without ever seeing Jesus, although some people had an inkling something was special was coming, they were raved about. They thought these people who waited for stuff that they never got to see, they never got to meet Jesus back then, it says, oh, full of faith, they really trusted God. So in Hebrews 11, it's got some words about it. It said, look, these people were all commended or praised for their faith. None of them received what was promised, though. But God had planned something better for us, which includes us now, that only together with us would those people together be made perfect with us in Jesus. There's a big, long list in the book of Hebrews, and you might recognise some of these names. And some of the people who waited for things they never saw come to pass, the people like Abraham. Why did the Bible like Abraham? He was a guy God spoke to. God said, get up, go to a place that I'm going to show you. And he did. Didn't know where it was. He just left because God had said. He was the one who was promised a son. And when did he have the son? Not till he was 100. He had to wait 15 odd years or something like that for that promise to come true. Noah. What did Noah build? Someone tell me up the back row there. He built an ark. Had anyone ever built an ark? Had anyone ever seen a flood? God told him and Noah said, okay, I'll do that. He did it without even knowing everything that was coming other than, well, this, this boat's important. And it said of Abel, Abel was one of the sons of Adam and Eve and it says that his faith talks to us even though he was dead. And really, if we look at Simeon and we look at Anna and we look at those people going into the temple just before Jesus was born, their faith, their trust, their confidence in God can speak to us now. So there's, there's actually a person. Who's heard of a commentator? Yeah, what does a commentator do? And what is commentary? Yeah, that's right. And when do you, where do you come across commentators? Sport. Sport, absolutely. Now, did you know the Bible has commentators? But the, the biblical commentator doesn't go, though, and here he is, he's coming to the end of the first page, and flip, he's gone to the second page, he goes, is that what a biblical commentator does? No, they give us information, though. They give us information. And they'll write about some of the history behind different passages in the Bible. And so there's a guy called Matthew Henry, who's long dead, and... I was reading a little bit of what he'd written about some of the stuff about Anna and Simeon. And he says, oh, the reason this person wrote down this stuff about Simeon is to, is to stir us Christians up. It's to stir us Christians up to be, to be jealous of them in a holy way and, and to try and copy them to be as dedicated as Anna and Simeon were about the things of God. So a biblical commentator, what do they do? They just write about stuff in the Bible. But the Bible is the best thing to know ahead of the commentators. So Anna and Simeon are there. They're waiting for what to happen. This promised one. Did I say I'm going to tell you all the Christmas story? No. So I'm just going to fast forward. If you had a VCR, go... Or a... Um, no, sorry. It goes... If you had a cassette recorder, it would go... So we go forward. 
And we've gone now through Jesus coming. He's growing up. Through him dying and through him being, him being raised to life. And now we find another, this time, more than just Simeon and Anna, we find a whole bunch of people and they're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting, just like Simeon and waiting for Simeon and Anna are waiting for Jesus' birth. They're waiting for something. And so I'm going to tell you this part of the story from Acts 1. Okay, and this is uh, verses 1 to 14. I won't read all of them, but I'll, I'll skim along as I go, okay? And so the writer of Acts, who we think is a guy called Luke, who wrote the book of Luke. Oh, they didn't have to change his name. And says, look, he's writing to someone called Theophilus and he says, look, in, in my other book, I wrote about everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to where? Heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, those disciples, his friends, he'd chosen. And he'd, he'd raised, he'd, he'd come back to life, he, he'd told them and talked to them. They'd seen him dead, they'd seen him alive, so they were pretty convinced he, he was who he said he was and everything he promised had come true, so he's trustworthy. He's speaking about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, when he was eating with these guys, he gave them this command. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. He said, he's going back to the Father in heaven, but don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. John, you remember, he baptised people with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptised with something else. What was it he was going to be baptised? these people were going to be baptised with? The Holy Spirit. And they gathered around and said, Lord, um, at this time, is this when you're going to restore, you know, the kingdom of, of Israel? Because they hadn't really got this whole plan that Jesus had for the whole world. They're thinking about their country and their people only. And Jesus said to them, look, it's not for you guys to know the times or dates that the Father set. But just know this. You don't need to know the times and dates. What does that tell you automatically? Yeah, and if they don't know the times and dates, what are they going to have to do a little bit of anyway? They're going to have to wait a bit, aren't they? They don't know all of it. He said, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're going to talk about me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all over the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Can I have you, Josh and Simeon? I haven't pre-planned this. Can you come up here with me, please? Come on, come on. This is cool. 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 Right. I want you to stand where this projector is and see that in light. Okay, just, just, just come over here. Come over here. See this light, this fluoro light up. Don't look into this light. Okay, so, so you're with Jesus. He's talking to you. And then we have liftoff. And so he's, he's going up. He's going up. Just keep staring at that light. That's, that's where Jesus has, has returned to the Father. He's just literally liftoff. Off he goes. And has anyone seen something like that? These guys haven't seen something like that. Keep looking. Keep looking. If you haven't seen this before, what do you do? Do you sort of, is it like saying goodbye at the front gate, you know, or, or, or in the driveway? You had visitors for tea, they've hopped in the car 
And this is depending on how cold it is at night. You're making up your mind. Do we go back inside or do we wait by the curb and, you know, wait for them to get in the car and wave goodbye and the taillights disappear down the street before you're running going, oh, why didn't we just go straight back inside? Why do we need to wait? These guys, I'm thinking it's like watching the taillights disappear into the distance. This amazing person, you've lived with him. You've seen him do amazing stuff, heal people, raise people from the dead. You've seen him die. You've seen him come back to life. He's made all these promises, done all this amazing stuff. And then you're watching him disappear. Keep watching him. Come on, this is fascinating. And, and he's, if, he was, if, if they had my eyesight, they wouldn't watch him for long. It wouldn't take long for him to disappear because I can't see very far. But you'd just be watching this dot and what would be going through your mind? Whatever it was, go have a sit down, guys. You did a good job. Whatever it was, they stayed there long enough just looking up into the sky that uh, something had to happen next. Something had to ha happen next. And, you know, I guess what's going through them? Are they waiting for what happens next? I mean, I've never seen something like that. You can understand why they're just staring up into the sky. But while they're doing that, suddenly two people, dressed in white, stood beside them. And I guess we're to guess that they're what? That's what I'm thinking. They said, men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven is going to come back the same way you saw him go. And then the apostles did what? What did Jesus told them just before this? They had to go do something. They had to wait for something, didn't they? So the apostles went back to Jerusalem. When they got back there, it was about a day's walk back from the Mount of Olives, back to Jerusalem, the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And present there were all the 11 disciples because one had done the wrong thing, hadn't he? He killed himself, Judas. So they got another one in somewhere over this period. But it says they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I just want to bring Mary in for, in for a moment. When Simeon and Anna were there at the temple... Mary had come along. Now, she was the first person, really, to start the waiting for Jesus, wasn't she? She's the one to whom an angel comes and says, you're going to have this baby. It's going to freak you out. Well, she was freaked out with her. You know, the response was, this is going to happen so unusually, but don't worry, it's all going to be cool. Can my girls please come and sit in these uh, chairs? Thank you. It's only my family up the back. Their big sister arrived. They were waiting for her. So one of the things Simeon had said, even as he talked about this special person coming, he'd spoken directly to Mary. Mary had waited for Jesus. Do you think she had a lot tied up in that child? Here's the saviour of the world. Who's it coming through? <laughs> My tummy. That's pretty awesome. Could you wait for that? I mean, most mums can't wait for a pregnancy to be over. How much more 
if you know the saviour of the world is in your tummy? Who would want to wait? You're just like, come on, come on, can I... The only time you want to have a baby prematurely, I'm thinking. But just that wait. And Simeon said some interesting things to her. He said, you know, you're going to have a a sword, pierce your soul. And I'm guessing when you have a baby, you don't really know what those sort of things mean. But I'm going to come back to it. I just want to let you know ahead that Mary is a person who's waited already. She's had some interesting words said to her. And here she is, there with the disciples and a bunch of other people, waiting for who to come? The Holy Spirit. So they've been told to wait. They're doing the right thing. Luke, you know, because he's writing in a couple of books here, just before mentioning that Jesus disappears up into the sky, here's what he says. It's like he's, he's reminding them of everything they need to know, even before he disappears. This is what's written. The Messiah is going to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Okay? This goes back before what? Before the crucifixion, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached where? I said this before. To who? Everyone. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city. Stay in the city like we heard elsewhere. You've got to stay. You've got to wait until this power comes. Is it a good thing to wait if you're told to wait for something specifically? Who's waiting for a prayer to be answered? Anyone waiting for a prayer to be answered? You say, when's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? Do you think God's interested? So are there good times to wait? There are good times to wait. This is one of those good times where they waited as they were told. This is Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, all these people, they're all in one place. Suddenly there's a sound like what? Like a... Have you heard a hurricane or a tornado or a really severe wind or a train going past? This is the sort of sound that comes where they're gathered. Filled the whole house where they're sitting. Someone mentioned fire, tongues of fire, like on top of their head. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So they go out, these people, the spirits come, something is immensely different about them. They get out there and they're talking languages they don't know. There's people in the town from all over the world, they don't even know the same languages but they're recognising them. And in the middle Peter gets up and he says, hey, hey, steady down, I know you think we're drunk, I know you think we're a bit crazy here but... This is what we've all been waiting for. This is what all of Israel has been waiting for. Do you remember this guy called Joel a long time ago said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on everyone. Do you remember that? Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men, this is why it's important to have you people in the back row, because you're young. We'll see visions. Your old men like me will dream dreams. And I'm going to do wonders in the heavens above. There's going to be signs on the earth below. All of these things are going to happen 
before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Was this worth them waiting for? That's like to have suddenly, it's like you've been waiting for a download of the latest game. It's an improved version of the one before. Fortnite was updated, wasn't it, a while back? Was it Fortnite was updated? Do you guys play it? From what I hear, they did a big update and they basically shut down the whole world while they put up this, this update for the game. Anyway, it's like these people have got the update because the Holy Spirit has come and done something unique on the inside. He's living on the inside of them. So Peter says, this is what you've all been waiting for. Because you've been waiting, because this has happened, here's what you have to do now. Here's what you have to do next. This is in uh, Acts chapter 2, about 38 onwards. It says, repent, change your thinking. You, you've, got to, you've been going this way, everything's got to be made new. Repent, be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And your sins will be forgiven. You'll receive this same gift of the Holy Spirit that we've got. And it's not just for you, it's for your children. It's for their children, it's for everyone, miles off, who hasn't even been born yet. Everyone the Lord our God will call. Is there anything we're waiting for? I asked about prayers. We have prayers. We're waiting for something to happen. We think only God can make this happen. Or in life, I'm thinking about Sam as he shared. He's, he's going along, he's doing his fusion stuff and he's thinking, oh, I don't know if this is it anymore. What is it that comes next? Now, he might have shared with some of you what that might be. I think he, he might have mentioned something about it to me the other day. But he's been waiting for something. He said, oh, you know, I, I think this season, he used that Ecclesiastes reference, I think this season's over. What's next? He's waiting to see how that comes through. Even though he's got an idea, he's waiting. I wonder how the people who heard Peter talking, all this strange stuff about this Holy Spirit coming, I wonder what their reaction was. Because you can wait. Once you have something presented, it's up to us to either respond. I wonder what happens if we don't. But how do we respond? It says, Peter, with a whole stack of words, warned them and pleaded with them. He said, look, save yourselves out of this world around you. It's corrupt. It's just going wrong. And right there, in that place, on that day, 3,000 people, that times 1,000, 3,000 people believed on Jesus and became believers and were saved. Is any of us waiting for that? Is it? Is any of us saying, look, yeah, I think this, I know this Jesus story. Is that for me or is that not? Because that's our next step, isn't it? If we hear that, we can wait. But if we don't accept it, well, we don't have maybe what we've been waiting for. So what did they do? These people, they have the Holy Spirit come in and something dramatically changes about them that's different to everyone else around them in the city, different to everyone else around the world. And we still see this distinct thing about people who know God through Jesus now. So all these friends, all these believers who have the Holy Spirit, 
Annette shared this the other day. She was talking about giving. And here's why. She read out this same scripture. These people devoted themselves to everything that the apostles and the disciples had said and what they were saying. They broke bread. They shared food together and remembered what Jesus had done for them. And they prayed. They prayed. They were wanting to know what God had for them next. It's like, yeah, we've been waiting. Now you've delivered this. What's next? We're praying to know what it is we're doing next. Everyone was just blown away with the different miracles, these signs and wonders that Jesus' friends were doing. People were getting made better, healed. Problems were going away. And they shared even their property and the things they owned between each other. If someone needed something, let me help you. They would sell their houses even and contribute the money to help other people. Every day, they continued to get together and meet at the temple courts. They met in their homes. They ate together. They shared this life together. They were saying, this is like nothing. Our friendship with God and with each other is like nothing we've ever known. And this is a thing that's changed our world. It's changed our countries. Even if we look and say, huh, it's not real good. People are still blowing each other up. You know, fighting wars, all these sort of things. There's a lot of stuff that I tell you would make you happy to live in this world now that wasn't in place before all of this happened. And that's the impact of Jesus on this world. And they were thankful to God. Everyone was just wrapped and people kept believing. People kept joining them. Jesus kept adding people. What is it we're waiting for? I've asked that question a few times. Are we like Josh and Simeon? Just looking up into the sky, it's like, wow, I've met Jesus. He's in heaven. You might get a stiff neck. Because we can't just stay in that place when we meet Jesus, can we? There's got to be something coming next. There was for these people, there is for us. What does it mean to live by the power of the Holy Spirit? And as a kid... I think sometimes it takes a bit of a journey of a lifetime to start saying, oh, well, this is how all this works. And I think, you know, at the grand old age of 50, some of these things are just becoming a little bit clearer in my mind of how this works with that and that works with this and this works with that. And you, you suddenly see clearer ways to describe things. So I hope this particular one today helps. And I'm going to steal a bit from Paul, the guy who was a bad guy and then became a friend of Jesus. So Paul wrote some notes. He was writing to a church in a place called Galatia. Guess what the people who lived in Galatia were called? Galatians. <laughs> Isn't that handy? What are people who calling, live in Coleman? What are people who live in Coleman called? Sorry, what was it? Coolamonites? Coolamoners? Coolamite? Anyway, Galatians. So... Here he is, he's writing to a new church, well it's been around for a little while and they're, they're struggling with a few different things. Uh, some people have come along to sort of take them out of what Jesus has taught them and are trying to distract them and Paul's trying to just say, hey, let's get back on track here, here are the things you need to remember. And so he reminds them of what God did with Jesus. He says, look, when the set time had fully come, that tells you there was already a wait before, 
God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Remember the Israelites and the Jews that had all these rules out, more than 600 to try and get everything right, to save, win back those under the law so we could be adopted as God's children or his sons. And because you're his sons or daughters, sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. He's saying, hey, remember Pentecost? The spirit came to do something different. This same spirit calls Abba, Father. It's like we're talking to God as our dad now. So you're no longer a slave, but you're a child. And not just a child. God gives you everything of his. Who's waiting for their mum and dad to die so you can get everything they have? <laughs> what a great inheritance. I didn't get my dad's name. You know how I know? Because his name was Michael and mine's Dominic. <laughs> I didn't even get my dad. But we inherit everything that's God. It says in the word that God, he's a giver of every good thing that comes to us. Okay, now, if you get someone's inheritance, it's all given to you because maybe your grandparent died or your parent died or something like that. If you get that, well, if we're not old enough, if we're not old enough, someone will look after it for us, won't they? You know, a trustee or something. So it says here, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So maybe the father, he could be alive, he may not be, he might have died, he might be alive. But he's putting his inheritance in place. Parents make a will. My will is really out of date. You know. I say to Cindy, are we going to go make a new will? You know, we can't just give everything to Rosa. We probably should share it with the rest of the kids. But the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. He says, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now we know Mary had a baby called Jesus, don't we? Literally, physically, that baby was formed inside her. And Paul has said, hmm, he's working. It's like he's giving birth. He's working so hard so that who would be formed in us? that Christ would be formed in us. And so in one of the songs before, we were singing about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And here's this amazing thing. Jesus comes to the world and he, he's telling people already around, he says, look, if you know me, you know the Father, because I only do the things the Father does. And I've had some good teachers, I think, in my time. Even at school, I, I say that grudgingly. I probably had some good teachers and they could teach me so much. Now, what is it like to be a copycat of Jesus? If I looked at everything I read about Jesus in the Bible, do you reckon if I just copied that to, leather, to the letter, I'd be, I'd be perfect? Do you think I could do a good job of it? No. And yet... Paul's talking about Christ being formed in us. 
And here's the thing that happened at Pentecost. Here's the thing the Holy Spirit comes. He comes into us and he starts changing us into what Jesus is like. So Paul, because he wrote a lot of stuff, here's what he wrote to another bunch of people called the Romans. And he says, look, those people that God knew ahead of time, he planned for them to become just like his son. So that Jesus would be like the firstborn amongst all these brothers and sisters, all these people of God. And he called them, he made them right with himself, and he glorified them. What then will we say when someone tells us that to these things? Man, if God's on our side, who can be against us? We don't have to copy Jesus. It's like Jesus is being formed in us. The Holy Spirit teaches us from the inside out to be like Jesus. So it's not a copy act. It's something that God does. They're shaping you. So those people who are waiting, that's different for us. We don't have to wait anymore. The waiting's over. Jesus has done what he did. The Holy Spirit has come. We don't have to wait. We just have to trust in Jesus, believe on him. His Holy Spirit comes on and he makes us into everything he always planned. So what have we got to do? Is there anything we need to do? There's still something we need to do. We've got to cooperate. Because we can stand there and look at the sky, but nothing happens. We've got to cooperate. We call on the Lord. We accept what his plan is as it unfolds. Is that always going to be easy, to cooperate? Mm. Um, it sounds good on one hand. Steve quoted before how a light came into the world, didn't he? And who loves it when the light goes on? Is that good? Oh, now I can see where I'm going. Simeon, interestingly, he said to Mary, when they were there with Joseph and Jesus at the temple, said, this kid is going to be a light to the world. Anna, she meets Jesus. She's just overjoyed. It says in the Bible there, here she is, an old lady. She just tells everyone, he's here, he's here. Is that happy? It's all good. It's not all, it's not all easy. It's not all easy. I'm nearly done, but it's not all easy. When Simeon was talking to Mary, you remember I said before that a, a sword would pierce her soul? It says, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child's destined to cause the falling and the rising of many. But he's going to be a sign that will be spoken against. People rejected Jesus, didn't they? Are they going to reject us? Probably. That's very likely. I'd say it's, it's a given. It's going to happen. Through him, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Because it, of what happened to Jesus, we know that, gee, the human heart's pretty rotten, isn't it? Something needs to happen. 
through Jesus' life, here's Mary. She has a baby. Was there ever a baby like Jesus? Never a baby. The one and only. And I don't know, as a mum, you guys who are mums out there, tell me how this this would be. You're promised you're going to have the saviour of the world. He's born. You know he's amazingly special. You pull him out at a wedding to you know, do something about the problem with running out of wine. He turns water back into wine, even though Jesus say, no, mum, it's, it's not the time. How would it be if this perfect son of yours, he goes on, he's surrounded by crowds, and you can't even get close to him anymore? In fact, when someone comes to Jesus to say, oh, look, your mum and brothers and sisters are over here, you know, they want to see you, how would you feel if you hear Jesus say, no, everyone else here and my brothers and sisters? Would you feel a little bit rejected? Man, what sort of life did Mary lead? It wasn't all painless. It looked like she was right on the edge. She sees him crucified. She sees him dead. But she's also seen him come back to life. She knows. She's met with these people. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. She had one more wait. The first wait was for the Saviour to be born. The second wait, it's for Christ to be now formed inside her, but in a totally different way. Once she carried something that was absolutely righteous, now, by the Spirit, she herself, after this wait, gets to become absolutely righteous because of Jesus' work, because of the Holy Spirit's work. What am I waiting for? There's still things I'm waiting for. What are you waiting for? Are we looking down the track saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? What, what, is, is there anything I'm missing? These are the questions we ask ourselves. Waiting isn't a sit-down thing. It's not a stare into the sky thing. It's a, it's a prayer thing. It's a listening to the people around you thing. It's a reading the Bible thing. It's an asking thing. It's a getting on with it. So trust in Jesus. Celebrate what he's done. Give the Holy Spirit freedom to change you and to form Christ in you. Soak in the word of God. Have a quiet time. Whatever it takes, read. (laughs) Read the Bible and ask God to show you what he's doing in it. And my last thing, share his goodness like those people who've been changed do. Whatever form it takes, Give it and share it with those people around you. That's what the disciples were commissioned to do. Go out, tell everyone about it. How did they react after the Holy Spirit? Well, they just went and shared everything. The good news about Jesus, but plus their lives, their clothes on their backs, food, shelter. What are you waiting for? You've got all of Christmas to think about some more. Imagine why this little child comes into the world. Here's the beginning. Take that time. Really process Christmas because it didn't just stop there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your plan is amazing. Lord Jesus, your willingness to come and do what you and the Father agreed to do together is incredible that you would come and live and die but rise again, that our our sins might be forgiven. And yet that was only part of your plan. Oh, Lord Jesus, that you would go and return to the Father, but tell us, look, I'm sending the Spirit. He's going to come. you you just got to wait for this. When he comes, he's going to lead you into everything. 
that the Father wants you to know. He's going to change you to be like me. We want to be changed into your likeness, Jesus. Father, we want to inherit everything um, of your plan for us in our lives. We want to be about your work. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to do that work in us. We, we say, yeah, come and do it. We're waiting. We're expectant. We're, we're making moves to, to find you out, to hear from you. So speak to us, we ask. At this time over Christmas, would you really open our ears and hearts to understand you in a way that we've never understood you before? Would we come, come into the, the, the fullness of what you want us to be, into the complete version of us that you want us to be? We just thank you for your perfect plan in Jesus' name. Amen.